All right, if you could open your Bibles up to anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Uh, but the specific anywhere over in Kings, we'll go to First Kings, a very common, well-known anywhere. That is First Kings chapter number, uh, we'll start probably 18, end up in 19, and then we'll go from there. 1 Kings chapter number 18. Let's see, we probably had this. Go ahead and stand for the reading of the Word of God. The Bible says uh, in 1 Kings chapter number 18. Uh, actually, sorry, 17. It's right over next door. 17, uh, in Elisha, in verse 1, the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord of God, or the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And uh, that is the beginning of Elijah's ministry there. That's um, kind of where he enters the picture, and he is entering at a time when things are very wicked, and there's a lot of uh, pe- uh, persecution against uh, the people of God. And uh, very similar things that we see today. I'm sure there's many people throughout all of history in the last couple hundred years that in particular have been able to point back and say, man, I'm kind of at a time that's similar to Elijah in this way or that way, uh, where there's just evil all over the place and there's problems. And it's like, you know, man, it's, it's just about time for judgment to fall. You know, it, it, there's been a lot of persecution. There's been a lot of trials and tribulations. God's people are getting forsaken and rejected, killed with a sword. Um, cast off, and uh, Elijah pops on the scene, and, and here the Bible says, The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And we'll start there, and then go on throughout the message. Uh, brother, brother Jerry, could you pray for the message tonight, sir? Now, in the book of uh, 1 Kings here, like I mentioned, this is where Elijah shows up. One of the greatest prophets that ever there was, probably one of the the most preached on prophets, and uh, one who went through a lot of different personal trials and tribulations dealing with one of the worst kings that Israel ever had. Um, And here we find in his personal um, dealings with Ahab here that he walks in and basically just delivers the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord comes and says, hey, you, uh, thanks for delivering my message. I want you to get out in the wilderness here and uh, go hide yourself by the brook Cherith. And we find that uh, that here at this brook, uh, this is a place that God has given him. In verse 4, it says, I commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And so he went and did what he was told to do. He ends up in in Cherith. The ravens bring him, it says, bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening. And, uh, you know, not too long after that, we find the widow of Zarephath uh, was called to take care of him and uh, a little water in a vessel that he may drink and a morsel of bread. And uh, he's there for some period of time. And the Bible says at the end of that little uh, situation that the barrel meal wasted, 
not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. That's in verse 16. All right, and uh, let's just go ahead and skip. We're going we're to skip chapter number 18. We're going to go into chapter 19 here. And this is, this is the part that probably most people, if you've heard any messages, any preaching on Elijah, this is probably uh, the chapter that you've heard of. And I've got several outlines here listed in the side uh, of my Bible here, multi-point outlines. Some of these outlines, these individual points have outlines underneath them where I've just heard this section of Scripture preached on so many different times. Uh, and rightly so, because many of us fall into the position of Elijah in some way, shape, or form, where just something didn't happen right, or you get tired in the ministry, or you'll walk, or you just get sick of dealing with people, or you get sick of dealing with yourself, and you get sick of other people having to deal with yourself, and all these different things. You find yourself somewhere here. I got uh, frustration, and failure, and fatigue, and futility, and all these different things that at some point in your life, you're going to experience one, or multiple, or all of at the same time. And, uh, and Elijah here, he's, just a, he's a good example for us to just look at because he does a lot of the same exact things that we would do if we were put in that situation and under that level of stress. And you say, every time I hear somebody say, if I was in that situation, you know, with like all the information that I have now that they didn't have, uh, I, would do the ex- I would do things differently. And for me, every time I hear somebody say that, I'm just like, yeah, I do things differently, all right. Uh, you'd add a couple more Fs. <laughs> There'd be three or four more Fs listed there. Uh, outside of the ones they just listed, I'd mess it up even worse, probably. I mean, like, way worse. If I was to be put in the position of some of these people, probably even knowing all the things I know now, I'd probably mess it up even worse. And the reality is, is for Elijah to even uh, not go jump off a bridge somewhere, I mean, he probably had that option. He probably knew multiple ways to kill himself. For some reason, he chose, you know, I'm just going to go out in the wilderness and die and find a juniper tree. And uh, if you know anything about the wilderness... You know that at nighttime, that's usually the most dangerous time. I know, I know two, weeks of, two weeks worth of information I know on the wilderness now. I'm a certified uh, wilderness uh, survival uh, seasoned expert, I guess. I stayed in the wilderness for two weeks and didn't get eaten by a bear. Now there's not a lot of bears running around trying to eat you anymore, so I kind of, you know, I guess I get, it's like the chump metal. Uh, but we did stay out in the wilderness for five days, and I was scared to death a good three or four of those days. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you start off the time, we're sitting there setting up camp, and Adam's like, hey, I just want to let you know that, you know, we're in the Tetons here, and they don't have too many wolves, but uh, they do have wolves that just came down from Yellowstone, you know, and they just kind of made up camp, and you'll hear them howl at night. And, you know, I've already, I'm already thinking about bears. Like, I'm not thinking about wolves. I'm thinking about bears. That's, like, my mind primary thing. I'm, like, you know, thinking when we're setting up the tent, I'm looking, there's people over there, there's people over there, there's people over here, people over here. We're kind of, like, right in the middle of this area. But it's, like, you know, border of the forest, and on the other side of the forest is the lake. And I know that bears love, you know, fish and things in the lake, so they're going to be kind of, like, up and down the lake area. And, you know, we're kind of closer than everybody else here, this campground to where the bears are. And, uh, and I'm thinking, well, I got at least one layer of tent around me. That's good. I'm going to hear screams before I, you know, I, I wake up. That'll give me some time to unzip my tent, find my flashlight, and run to the bathroom and barricade myself in the door while my family gets eaten alive. Uh, so five days we were in. We were out there in the middle of nowhere. Nothing happened the first couple of days. Every time I had, you know, when you get to 30 degrees outside in the, you know, the middle of the night, you find you got to wake up to the bathroom earlier than you normally do. And 3.30, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, every night, I'm sitting there like, is doing, you know, taking care of myself worth me dying? You know, is this a trade-off I want to make right now? (laughs) Of course, I was half out of it because, you know, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, you know, didn't have any problems with bears, didn't have any lions, you know, sitting there 
watching videos of people that got eaten at Yellowstone day number five. So, you know, it was, I was pretty terrified the last day we were there. You know, you just hear stories of all these things that happened on the wilderness. And that is probably what Elijah thought was going to happen, is at some point, one of the animals, the lions, the tigers, the bears, uh, probably some distant relative of, of the animal that David, you know, the two animals that David killed were going to find him and bring judgment on the old preacher. And this, you know, oh yeah, that stinking, stinking Israelite David. Yeah, he, he tore the mouth off my, my great, 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 great grandfather. I'm going to get that preacher. We're going to pay him back now. It's judgment time, preacher. And that didn't happen. He was probably expecting something like that. Or he was just so physically fatigued. And I've heard of people that have just straight up died out of fatigue. Healthy people that have had heart attacks. Uh, they've had aneurysms in their head. They just lost their minds. And they went crazy. And they died very shortly thereafter. Whatever, the, whatever the, the end result is, is he thought he was going to die. And I'm sure somebody in this room, probably in the last week, has thought that. Uh, this Whatever situation's in my life right now, I'm probably going to die by the, by the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the year. So I'm sure most of us can relate. Or I'm getting so tired that if this doesn't, if the situation doesn't change, whatever it is, in one week, one month, one year, I'm going to be dead. Everybody, we're all, we've all been there at some point, at least once, right? Okay? And if, uh, and if not, maybe here... Uh, in the near future, you'll be put in a situation like that where, and maybe just the thought crosses your mind, and you got all the verses of scripture like you're supposed to, to just say, you know, nope, 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 take that thought, put it into captivity, you know, uh, you just take that shield and quench that fiery dart of the devil and just kind of shake it off. But if you don't, and if, you, if you're not prepared and you're not armed, and the devil just knows kind of like how much he can throw at you, and eventually you kind of get, you know, like, I, this is the 4,000th dart. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of starting to get tired of focusing and focusing and focusing nonstop and always having to pay attention to this and pay attention to this and cross my eyes and dot my teeth so I don't mess up and so I don't make a mess of things. Eventually you may get tired, and he know, he'll just sit there. The devil doesn't get tired. It's the thing I've realized is that, is that the devil doesn't get tired. He's not like the, the wild beast out in the field where he has to find a time to rest. The devil, as far as I know, the way God created him, this is just something I've been thinking about how the, de- the Lord made the devil, you know. It's not like we made the devil uh, and put our weaknesses on the devil. The Lord made the devil. And it says that he was perfect in all his ways when God created him. That means the devil has ways and has aspects about him that are much more perfect than we have right now. If it says that he's able to accuse us, us as in plural, as in all of us, day and night before the Lord... I'd say that he probably doesn't have anything that makes him very... He probably doesn't need coffee in the morning, is what I'm trying to say. And he has the ability to nonstop accuse you, and then somehow he takes a break from that, however long, a couple seconds or whatever, and he finds himself down here on the earth trying to stir up trouble whenever he can and wherever he can. And we find that, that Elijah here is whatever the combination of the world, the flesh, and the devil. He's just wore out under the juniper tree. And... Of all the things that the Lord does when he shows up, he makes him food. And we never find when the Lord is dealing with Elijah that he ever has a time where in some way, shape, or form, he is without food. And I would say that the Lord places a very high priority on making sure his people are fed. I mean, that's a very simple thing to, to understand, but when you get out in the wilderness and you lack food, really bad things happen really fast. We were out, uh, this, oh, this will probably be a situation I'll never see in my life again. I mean, just it was a, 
just a happenstance. We were out hiking the Cascade Trail, which goes right behind the Tetons, and you get all the way to the end, and you can see the back of Grand Teton and the, the uh, glacier that's up there melting down, and you know, they cascades down, and of course, it was the time of year there wasn't a lot of water there, so it was a little baby cascade. But on the face, while we were hiking, you know, they have sheer rock walls, and I mean, I'm not, we have nothing here to compare to what they have out west. I mean, the foothills that they have out west are the size of the Appalachian Mountains. You know, I mean, so it's like, you know, big stuff, and then, and then the peaks actually pop out of there. And one of these mountains, it was just like a sheer face, probably a good five or 600 feet up. And then, and it was, I mean, you know, sheer face up, and then there was this little outcropping with about six or seven pine trees, and then it just went straight up probably another 500 to 1,000 feet. And me and Adam Gray were out there sitting there hiking. You know, we got the, the whole trail ahead of us, about four or five more miles to go until we get to where we we're supposed to be. And then there was all these great views that we we're going to see. And we had two rangers pass us. And the one kind of got my attention as soon as he passed because he had, you know, the blue X on the back of his humongous backpack that I've never seen anybody care before. And me and Adam were just kind of talking. We looked, both looked up and we looked, oh, that's a ranger. It was a ranger, you know, got all the stuff on the back, you know. And then we looked up again and we're like, oh, that's a, that's a medical that's a medical guy. And they just, I mean, they were, you know, kind of making haste, and they hurried, and they were running, and they, you know, they just disappeared. Well, sure enough, about another mile or so down the road, we stopped at one of the areas where you stop, and you get to see all the nice clear water, and you get to take pictures and all that stuff. And there was a couple people just kind of looking and pointing up there. And sure enough, these rangers had actually scaled this mountain, and they got up to this little precipice, like I said, probably a good five, 500 to 1,000 feet, somewhere in there. Uh, and we could see them you know, climbing, I mean, just, just scooting up this wall with his, but you see the backpack. And the other guy had already made it there, and he was sitting there, and you could see the jacket, you know, the orange jacket. Like I said, I'll probably never see this ever again. I mean, it was just crazy being there and all the different things that had to happen for us to be there at this time. And it wasn't too long we started hearing the blades of a chopper. What had happened is somebody was out there climbing, and they were by themselves, and... Somebody who was inexperienced, some 22-year-old kid, fell, from what we could tell, and they got there just in time to realize that he was too late to save. And so the chopper's coming in, and, I mean, it's just making passes, and, you know, you have all the wind coming down over the hills. And so, I mean, it's, I got the whole thing on video. It's just sitting there, and he's just trying to get it close so they can drop the rope down to get, you know, the paramedic off the chopper, and, you know, they're, they're trying to stabilize him and get him whatever condition they can. And the two or three rangers that we run across the way were trying to ask questions, and they're all jittery, you know, so we're like, obviously, this is not a drill. And they finally get the little paramedic guy dropped down, and then, then he has to leave. About another five or six minutes later, we come back, and he's trying to drop, and he's, he's trying to pull the thing out and, you know, lift him up and all that other stuff. And, I mean, it's this whole big rescue operation going on here. And we saw him, we saw the, and them lift the paramedic, and the guy's sitting there, and he's holding everything. And, I mean, they just drive off, and, you know, what happened? Somebody got out in the middle of nowhere. They got no place where they were fatigued, and they were wore out. Very likely, they said the guy did not have enough water, he did not have enough food, and he was in a place where it, was already, it already required of him to be highly functional in his brain to be able to do the decisions and make the climbs, and he got tired. And he got tired, and he was out in the wilderness, and he didn't have anybody there to give him food and water, and he fell, and he died. And that'll happen. That's, that is, the wilderness has claimed the lives of thousands of Christians who got out, and they, they got out just far enough to where they got away from the food, they got away from the water, they got away from the people who had the food and water, and they died spiritually. And the same thing will happen to you. It's a miracle here that Elijah didn't. 
die. It says that, what does the Bible say here? And he lay, uh, verse 5, this is the text here, and as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. I didn't, I mean, the Lord didn't jump into saying, Hey, listen, we've got to talk about what just happened and what you should have done. We didn't, he didn't come and say, Listen, this is what I need you to do right now. It says that he said, Arise and eat. And Christian, the first thing you need to do today is realize that how important it is that when the Lord calls you to rise and eat, that you eat right then and there. How many times have you had your Bible put in front of you and you know it's sitting there and the Holy Spirit's like, about time you rise and eat. One day goes by and two days go by and three days go by and five days go by. You see, the thing about being out in the wilderness is when you get really high on the mountains, the air there is so thin that you don't feel yourself drying out. <clears throat> Biggest danger that happens, as a matter of fact, a month before we were there, Sandra said, when we you know, heard about the situation, she looked up. There was a father and son who went out and died because they dehydrated. Same area. And they got out there, and you don't realize... You know, all the extra stuff your body goes through when you get in a high mountainous you know, climate. And we always hear about, man, I want a mountaintop experience. I want a mountaintop experience. Listen, I'll be straight with you. It's just from thinking about mountains and being in mountains for two weeks. A mountaintop experience is a lot more, way more dangerous than a valley experience, in my opinion. I had a picture that I saw. Somebody went and took one of those drone shots, you know. They were at a peak of the fourth highest mountain in the world. I mean, literally the peak, like a lot of peaks you can't get to. You know, you get to a certain point and you're like 85, 90% of the way there and it's, they call it the peak, it's the highest point you can get and you know, it's literally impossible. Like you have to climb up an area where you're gonna have to go through and you'll create an avalanche. Like you physically can't get any higher than that and you've reached the peak and they got the little, you know, like we saw multiple times, the little pin there, the eco or the uh, geological survey, you know, that's the highest point right there. These people were at the fourth highest peak in the world and the drones showing Everest in the background. I mean, they're all sitting there. It's like buddy number one, and they have to go one at a time. So there's the guy right here, and then there's the guy running the drone right behind, and they're going to switch off and make videos of each other. You know, When you get up there, you realize how barren and dangerous it is up there? How easy it is at the top of a mountain for you to make a mistake and just fall all the way down and kill yourself, just like that other guy. You, uh, you see, oh, I want a mountaintop experience. Man, you realize the effort and the things you have to do to even prepare for a mountaintop experience? All the gear I had to carry just for me. And then we want to have mountaintop experiences with everybody else. <laughs> you want your kids to have a mountaintop experience? Dad, it's going to require you carry a lot of extra stuff in your backpack. You got to carry water for everybody. You got to carry food for everybody. You got to figure out what to jam it all in there. And then, then you got to condition that body to, to be able to what? Carry all that extra weight up a mountain. You get to the top of the mountain, you realize how dangerous it is and how scary it is and how few people there are. And there's nobody up there who can help you save one. That's what I thought about. I was like, man, you know what? You go to a valley. Everybody talks bad about valleys. There's water in valleys. You know, there's some animals. In, you know, there's, there's bears. The most dangerous animals we had to deal with were up in the mountains. They weren't in the valleys. They were in the mountains. That's where they hide. That's where the bears were. That's where the moose were. We got a, right, I got a video of Alex and Bella. I mean, they're, they're standing right here. I got a video right here. And there was a moose where Brother Tim was. 
you know, fortunately we're on a rock, so, you know, if the thing went crazy, it's like he's he got to jump really high to get us. But moose, bear, those things all hide up in the mountains. Why? Because they are a lot better at surviving than the idiot people who decide to walk up there. <laughs> and they're good. They're adapted to it. The devil, you realize what, how well the devil is adapted to living on the mountains? It says that he was on the side, he was in the mountain of God. The Lord created him so perfect, he was the most fearful being that was ever created. God never took that away from him. He was the most, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, probably the most perfect, fearful, scary. I mean, if God, who knows what the Lord's ultimate plans were for him if he would not have fell. But it's like you come to God, you go through this guy first. And you think, like my little son, he likes to draw pictures of Bowser and, you know, pictures of little goofy things from Nintendo and weird stuff that he sees. And you think of the creativity of God, the, the terror and the fear that looking at Lucifer and Satan would have put in them. He already said what, it, what he was capable of. People fall down at the sight of him. And the devil, man, he is used to just all the high places, all the places where you're so easily open for attack. The devil lives there. He exists there. And to make it no doubt, I mean, the devil is here present somewhere in the background. Uh, you know, it says, it says that there was 2,000 devils split between two of those, uh, the, the maniac, they call them the maniac of Gadara. You've got to imagine how many, how many little devils. If he has enough to throw 2,000 at anywhere from one to two people, you're talking 1,000 devils, the Lord's like, all right, you group of people, you go after that one guy. <laughs> Think how many, how many hundreds of thousands of devils there may be in some people in this room right now. Probably got 20 or 30 of them on myself sometimes, you know. And the devil's got, he's got enough utilities and resources and, and devil power. I mean, he can get just about anything he wants done if it's not for the grace of God stepping in and saying, you know what, actually, I'm just going you know, to wake him up before I let all, all this stuff happen to him. Hey, I need you to arise and eat, Elijah. I need you just to arise and eat. I don't need you to arise and walk yet. Here's the second thing is, the Lord knows how long and how dangerous and how hard the journey is going to be. You don't. You just need to arise and eat as many times as he tells you before you go on the journey. It says here the second time, he arose and eat. He arose and ate. In verse number six, and he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals. Well, Lord, where's the, where's the meat? You know, the ra you sent the ravens over here at, at Cherith, and you got, you got bread and flesh, bread and flesh, morning and evening, morning and evening. Lord, where's the meat? That's, that's a typical you know, Hebrew thing. All we got is this manna. We don't have, where's the meat? Where's the meat? We want meat like we had back here, like, like we had back in the past. We want the food that we want, Lord. See, when the Lord says arise and eat, whatever food he puts in front of you, is what you need to get you where he wants you to go. And when the Lord gave him meat and flesh and bread, it was because the Lord wanted him to have meat and bread. Probably just a little bit extra. Just to, just to kind of be nice to him there because the Lord knew all the stuff he was going to put him through. And Elijah, there's going to come a time where I'm just going to give you bread. And it may be baked by a woman at Zarephath, and she may burn a couple of them here and there. Some days I may come and I may have an angel. Can you imagine? Could you imagine what that tasted like? Like I said, the Lord created Lucifer and all the perfection there, perfect in his ways. Could you imagine 
having a piece of food baked by the person who invented food? Could you imagine what that tasted like? I mean, the widow of Zarephath probably cooked pretty good food, I'd say, because he stayed there long enough. You know, he didn't go try to find any food anywhere else. It's probably the best biscuit that there ever was served anywhere ever. Ain't got nothing on, uh, uh, what, what is it? Uh, not Red Robin. What is it? Oh, Cracker Barrel. You said cr- Cracker Barrel's got some good ones, too. A little gravy and stuff like that on. But I'm, t- I'm thinking about the, ch- the cheddar ones from, oh, Red Red Lobster, there we go, there we go. I'm thinking Red, I'm thinking Red Robin, and, and what would you say? Yeah, there we go. But better than those. <laughs> and he has this sitting there, and he's like, he just goes right back to sleep. He says, hey, get up, man. You need to eat. Why? Because the journey is too long for you to eat the amount that you ate. You need to eat the full amount that I give you. It says that Jesus Christ was out in the wilderness 40 days and afterwards and hungered. Now, like I said, the devil probably had more information on when to attack. Any, I mean, he's pretty good at attacking people. I feel like you know, he's pretty good at knowing when to attack people. Of all the times that he ever chose, all you know, Thinking, looking at the entire life of Jesus, studying everything about him, I bet he devoted a lot of his time to, to shadowing Jesus. Because if he can figure out ways to mess him up, you know, it says like Paul, Satan hindered him, said he stood up, you know, David, he stood up against David. The devil seems to show up on a very high scale, at least in the Bible, he shows up and tries to destroy things from the top down. And the time when the Lord was attacked, the single time that we see the devil making an intentional approach on the Lord Jesus Christ, it was after he had been famished for 40 days. So I'm thinking that the Lord probably knew that the devil was going to try to do something else to Elijah if he didn't eat the other biscuit. Well, Lord, I don't need all this food. Lord, I don't need to read my Bible four times a year. I don't need to do this. I mean, and the Lord told you to do it. But I really don't, I mean, two times a year, because I know that that's better than 98% of all the other Christians around me. So as long as I'm better than 98%, I don't need that extra 2%. And who would have known, if he wouldn't have eaten that last biscuit, he could have gone crackers and lost his mind 39 days into that 40-day walk. The thing that blows me away is I, I see, this is something that's just not, I guess it's not mentioned a lot. It's kind of just, you know, in the passage, we're getting from point A to point B. But the Bible says that, Uh, In verse 8, and he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the Mount of God. I mean, he walked for 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights. That's not doing doing an eight-hour trip up a mountain and back. That's walking for 40 days and 40 nights on the little that the Lord gave him. Now you say, well, he had the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God had him running past the chariot and all this other stuff. Yeah, but if he wouldn't have eaten what the Lord would have said for him to eat, he wouldn't have been able to make that 40 days and 40 nights. And you say, well, Lord, you don't give me a lot. I've heard people whine and complain about how little they get in churches. What if it's all the food the Lord wants you to have? 
What if the Lord knows that that's all you need to get through your specific journey and the food you want over here is for a specific set of people that are going, going to go through different journeys? And what if you, you want what they have over here and you end up complaining about what you have over here, children of Israel, and you don't get what you actually need and the Lord wants you to have for your journey because you're so busy whining about what you think you need when the food is not even meant for you. And so you get somewhere in and you're starving to death saying, why in the world is God? It's like, don't blame God. He put you in a place right where, right where Elijah was is where the Lord fed him. He didn't say, hey, go back into the city and go back to Zarephath and go back to Cherith. He fed him right there where he needed to be fed. So if you find yourself here, this is probably where you need to be fed. And if you walk away, you're walking from the food that's going to get you through life's journey. So don't blame God when you fail somewhere along the journey. And you know what? If you do, maybe the Lord will be merciful. And he, who knows how many times he would have walked and popped and back into Elijah's life if Elijah would have said, you know what, I don't want to do that. <laughs> how many times has the Lord popped in your life when he told you, hey, eat the food here, eat the food, and then go on the journey. And you're like, I ain't going to do that. I'm just going to walk and do things on my own. And how many times has he popped back in your life somewhere else? And he's like, hey, now that you're about to die, I mean, it says he was sleeping here. So he wasn't completely there yet. This is probably more of a mental thing than anything else. But now you're physically about to die because you didn't do anything I told you to do the last 10 years. Is it, are you ready to eat now? Are you ready to start eating now? I'm not going to force feed you. I'm not going to stuff you full of food. See, when somebody gets in a position where they're they are in a trauma or shock situation, Jake will probably know a little bit more about this than anybody else, Medical condition, you know, the people in the Holocaust, think of them when they're literally emaciated and starving, the Baden Corridor, when they're, they, you, you can't feed somebody any more than they're able to take in. And when, the reason you can't eat so much food is because your stomach has shriveled up, because the stomach, the more food you get in, it's a muscle, but it'll, it'll increase. Well, God, I want all this stuff. I want you to show me all this stuff. I want you to do all this stuff for me. And he's like, man, I'd love to put stuff in you. But the mechanism, the spiritual mechanism that you have to receive it isn't even big enough to hold it, and you would throw it up. So what they would have to do when those people, those various groups of people in war times, and they've been without food for, for basically years, is they'd have to give you tiny spoonfuls of soup at a time. That's all they could take. And it would take sometimes months of them feeding them soup and a little bit of chicken here, and a little bit of soup, and some rice, and chicken, and soup, and rice, and eventually your stomach kind of expands. You get to the point where you can actually digest things, and you get back to kind of where you're supposed to be, and they can start feeding you real food. The Lord didn't, hear, he didn't lay out a big 58-course you know, meal for him. Why? Because he wouldn't have probably been able to deal with it. He just needed whatever little bit the Lord had for him to get to the next point. And that's what church is here for. That is what, this is why we come to church every week and every day we can. Is because the devil is out there with all the, res the perfect resources that he has. As far as I know, God did not change the ability of those angels or he did not change the ability of the devil to cause destruction. He just gave us the ability to be able to resist that and to call on him for help when we need it in time of, present time of trouble. And when the Lord comes down and he gives you an opportunity to eat, even though it may be in an impossible situation. See, this is what I know, is that the Lord oftentimes comes in the, in the hardest situations, and that's when you get the best tasting food. 
And the food, the meal that you remember, I'm sure he remembered the meals at Cherith, and I'm sure he remembered the, the meals at the widow's house. But man, Lord, when I was that close to dying, I remember when you came and cooked for me personally. And it says that he went on his way. Same bad attitude. Same problems in his head. Get 40 days, and he was sitting there thinking about everything he had to go through. Thinking He had the same complaint when he got to where he was. But God gave him what he needed to get to the next point where he dealt with him again. Well, Lord, I want you to deal with me right now. Well, maybe he did deal with you, and he gave you food to get four or five years down the road when he actually solves the problem and answers it. Or he gives you another change of direction. But if you're not going to eat what he gives you now, you won't survive long enough to get there. And see, I don't know about you, but I've been in church a long time, and it was, it was good to see Davey back. I've seen him a couple times. There's been several people that have come through the doors of this church that were here 5, 10, 11, 12 years ago. They came in for just a little bit, and then something happened. They just went out, and they came back in. I remember Dad talking about Pastor Siler, the story he talked about where he's like, you just, you just go and sit somewhere, and people will they'll come and they'll go, but eventually if they know where you're at, when they need help, this is going to be the place they'll come and they'll find you. I mean, when people need help and they need food, is, this, is there going to be a bakery at Anchor Baptist Church? I mean, is there going to be a place where people can come when they really, really need it and they need God to come through and step through a person and feed them to get them through the next day? Because the times we're about to go through, they're just going to get harder and harder and harder. It's just like walking up a mountain. It's not so much that the, the angle, the mountain may not always get harder. It's just the fact that you're constantly going uphill and there's no breaks sometimes. The biggest issue we had was not the, I mean, there was like this initial 1,000, 1,500 foot escalation. You went from the lake 1,500 feet up. I mean, it's just like, but it was, that wasn't so bad, actually. It wasn't so bad. It was the next five or six miles where it was like that. And you're, it's just like, God, I'm just constantly going up. I'm just constantly going up. A higher plane that I have found. Isn't that what the song says? I have found another higher plane. You know what I realize is that it takes a lot of work and effort and, it, and a lot of sweat to get you to the next plane. And when you get to the higher plane, man, I mean, now you're, from where we were at, we were, I don't know, 9,000 feet above sea level, something like that, 70 at least. Where that kid was, I mean, if you wanted to go, you want that next highest plane. I mean, there's people that have gotten to the top of the Tetons. There's a lot more work you got to put into to get to that next level. you got to be prepared for that. Do I want to get to the next level? We say next level. I want to get to the next level with the Lord Jesus Christ. That can cost you a lot of things. It can cost you preparing to get to that next level. It can cost you, like, you got to do what the Lord wants you to do. Why else you're not, you're going to fall. You need to go with other people if you can. Now we find here that he was by himself, but in many cases we don't have to be by yourself for the entire journey. Other people will be able to help you out. It says that a threefold cord is not easily broken. And so when you start to isolate yourself from other people and you end up out of the church, you start to take a lot of the tools that the Lord has given you and you say, you know what, these tools aren't really available. Listen, I would never want to go... Uh, like I, that picture I said where they, he's sitting there and he's looking at all the, the three or four peaks in the background, one of them's Everest, and he's on the fourth highest one. You know what they had in that backpack? All kinds of crazy off-the-wall tools that they needed to get to where they were. 
And when you scale a mountain like that, I mean, you're, you don't need the ice pick at the bottom. And you don't need the tent at the bottom. You need the tent halfway through, and maybe two or three different times you're going to need to pop that tent open. And maybe when you get to a certain point, because other people have been there, so they say, hey, when you get to this certain point on the mountain, you're now going to need an ice pick. And you already need ropes at this next point, And you're going to need to have, uh, uh, you know, climbing feet and climbing shoes, little spikes and all that stuff, because you can, you can climb one way and just use your hands, but when you get to a certain point, like it's gonna, there's going to be ice, so now you have to have a different set of things to get there. you got to have all that stuff packed in your bag. You don't just get, there's not a, there's not a, a, a dick Sporting Goods halfway up the mountain. And the Lord says, again, another example, he calls you a soldier and he gives you all kinds of tools over there in Ephesians chapter number 6 to what? Resist the devil. To stand. To be strong. And you're not going to be strong if you decide, I'm going to pick and shoot. You know, every one of those tools, including the helmet of salvation, it says pick or pick up, put on, be equipped with, gird yourself with. Every one of those tools is a tool that you can pick up and you can set right back down. Every one of them. It says be strong. Eat the food. Why? Because you're not just going to walk through life. You need to walk armed through life. Why? Because you got the devil, who's as a roaring lion, as a roaring lion, but we know he's a dragon. He's, a, he's the old serpent. Uh, he's, he's the tempter. The time, again, when Jesus Christ was tempted, the time that you're likely going to be tempted is when you have gone without eating. You want to resist the devil? Eat the food. You want to resist the devil? Go to the place where the Lord has the people making the food for you. If it's Cherith and it's dry and there's people that say, man, I'm so, so glad I'm in your church now because at this point in my life, I was, it was a Cherith. I was by myself out in the middle of nowhere. Not everybody goes through a Cherith moment. Not everybody goes through a Widow of Zarephath moment. But there will come a time when you're probably going to be by yourself with nothing else in your mind and you need a Lord. Lord, I am at a place where I just need you to make me something or else I'm going to starve to death. I'm going to get eaten. And the Lord, you know, honestly, I kind of want to get eaten. <laughs> what does it say? Take my life. I'm done with my own life. I'm done with having to deal with this stuff on earth. I'm done with having to deal with all the stuff I see around me. It just wears me out, Lord. I, I expected all these other things. I'm in a futile situation. I'm, I am helpless. I'm a failure. I'm fatigued. I, just I mean, it's good to study other people. You realize how many people in this life are ultra successful were complete failures and went bankrupt. Most of the successful people I know, honestly, like the ultra-successful people, I mean, like people that, you know, 50, 60, 70 million dollars a year kind of people, you know, <laughs> super crazy, most of them were bankrupt within five years of them becoming successful. Bankrupt. Failures. I mean, disastrous. Most of them were in jail at some point. Amazing how many, how, how the motivation, you get motivated when you're all the way down at the bottom. The longest trip we ever have him going on happened right after he was at the lowest point he ever was. And the make or break for him is when God told him to eat his food, he ate his food. Simple things in life like that that get stewed down to are you eating like you're supposed to be eating, Christian? Because the th we're at a high elevation right now. When we're at a high elevation, the environment by itself, by definition, saps more of your strength. Just being at a higher elevation saps more of your strength. There's fewer places to get water at a higher elevation. There's more animals. The animals are more dangerous. There's more exposure to the elements. There's more work. All kinds of things like that happen at a high elevation. 
The question is, are you starving? Are you hungry? You know, you may not know that. Like I said, a lot of people, they don't know that, hey, I'm about to pass out from heat exhaustion because I've been basically sweating all my water off for the last five or six hours into this hike, and I wasn't prepared, and I didn't bring enough water. You know, there's other people there. You know what those rangers were? Those rangers were people that were medically trained to identify on that specific mountain problems that people face on that specific mountain, people that some of those people had never seen a mountain before until they showed up for their trip. You ever find yourself on a mountain, like a spiritual mountain, you like get, or a hill, maybe even a hill somewhere, like I'm not, Lord, I'm not on a mountain yet, but I'm on, a, on at least a foothill. There may be challenges that you face there that other people have, they live on that hill. You know, there's some people that, spiritually speaking, live on hills and mountains. They've existed there. there maybe think of uh, people that were raised in church, and it's just like multiple generations. They all, and, you know, everybody did ride along the way. It's like you were just kind of like almost born on the mountain. You know, you go over to like Scotland, and there's just like, you know, this dude out there with sheep, and he's just been living out in the middle of nowhere. And you're like, why would you want to live out here? He's like, oh, laddie, I've just been raised here. That's where I was born, you know? When those people say, hey, man, you look like you're thirsty, <laughs> it's because they've seen 75 other people just like you, and they've got six stories of people who didn't listen. And when somebody says, hey, man, you look thirsty. Hey, you kind of look hungry, man. You, like, yeah, you know I am. It's been, it's been a hot minute since I've had a good meal. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking back, and the Lord took care of me over here, and he gave me some food and water over here, and he fed me this way, and he led me this way, and he got me here, and he got me there. But right now, this specific state in my life, I don't know where I'm going, and honestly, I don't care where I'm going. And I just want to kind of lay down and go to sleep, and that's where God will send a preacher, or he'll send something in your Bible. And, and it's like the Lord just comes down and touches you. When everybody else would look at you from a physical standpoint and say, that is the point where the Lord should walk away from you the fast, like right there is where the Lord should just walk away from you. That's when the Lord actually physically stepped in and said, hey, hey, you need to eat. Just eat, please. That's all I need you to do. Yeah, I know, we're, I know the journey's long. I know the way is long. The way's going to be hard. But right now, why don't you just go ahead and eat Elijah? And it says that he ate and he went in the strength 40 days and 40 nights. I want to get to the next point in my life. I don't know how long, how far, I have 40 days, 40 nights, four minutes. Sometimes it feels like the stretches can be long. Sometimes it feels like certain stretches can be short. But I just want to get to the next point in my spiritual life. I want to survive out in the wilderness that we live in, the, the sinful wilderness that we live in, in the United States in 2023. I want to get to the next state, the next phase, the next destination and I want the Lord, when I get to a point where I am unable to feed myself or I am tired or weary or whatever and I'm just not thinking about it, I want the Lord to come down and touch me and give me what I need and send me on my way so that way I can get to the next step. So when he has something down the road, I'll, you know, it's like the Lord's sitting there right outside the cave just as a light, and he's just sitting there twiddling his thumbs. And here comes Elijah walking in. He's like, man, I'm really glad you ate those little biscuits that I gave you because we wouldn't be having this conversation if you would have disobeyed what I told you. And I would have had to get up and, and tell the Samaritan guy over here to go get his donkey and go over and find you in the middle of the wayside somewhere and load you up and take you over and drop you in an inn. So just a little bit of help out of the Bible tonight, out of a passage that we all know like the back of our hands. Now, there can be points in life when the most important thing in this story is that Elijah just kept eating. 
And that food will get you places that all kinds of other help that you think you may need won't get you. So, all right. Again, never get never get to the end. Elijah didn't have no money, didn't have any any sustenance that would have kept him. Everything was provided by him uh, to him by the Lord. And so many times we we lose sight of that, uh, which is something that you got. It's a learned trait. That's a learned thing. Uh, you got to learn how to let go of some stuff. Because when he's up on the mountain and Jezebel was out to kill him, he got back down to the city and Jezebel said, uh, "Tomorrow you're going to be dead." Uh, he takes off out in the wilderness. He has absolutely nothing. He can run. Uh, he's free of the, the, the things of the world to pull him back down. And he can get out there and be alone with God. And that's exactly where you want to be sometime. Some of the best times of my life it wasn't when I had everything. It was when I had absolutely nothing. It's when I was with him. Uh, where's Jerry at? Jerry, you up here? Oh, what are you doing over there? Y'all going to play a duet or something? <laughs> uh, you can't hear me say a song from over there? 